educating, informing, entertaining. The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. And welcome aboard. Hey, I'm double, I'm answering the phones. Johnny's pushing buttons. Hey, here we are. Welcome aboard. It's the Monday edition of the show. We're delighted that uh, that you're here. It is Monday, February twelfth at five ten in the afternoon, and uh, yeah, we're zipping through February. And uh, yeah, a fun show today coming up. Well, I should say it'll be hopefully an interesting uh, and informative show today. We've got some serious topics to talk about, so I shouldn't get uh, too over my skis here. But uh, uh, anyway, it is a Flatwater Free Press Day. In just a moment, we'll be talking with editor Matthew Hansen uh, and uh, reporter Chris Bowling. Uh, and we'll get the latest uh, on the uh, Supreme Court case that uh, Flatwater argued uh, last week in the Brassic Supreme Court. And uh, Chris Bowling's uh, very uh, important story on uh, rural suicides uh, here in Nebraska. So I uh, look forward to those conversations in just a quick second. But uh, yeah, let's build up instead of tear down uh, principles over partisanship five days a week right here. Um, before we get any further along, though, uh, Johnny Cadillac, producer extraordinaire, my deepest condolences on uh, your Super Bowl turnout. So I, I'm looking at today's show as this, that the first segment, the first half of the show, will be the educational, informing part of the show. And then for those people who've been listening closely and hearing my comments over the last few weeks, especially last week, the second half of the show will be the entertaining part. <laughs> well, you're just you're just for, fortunate uh, that Chris Lofgren uh, is still on vacation. Uh, the I biggest hope, Chiefs uh, Chiefs fan that I know. I hope Chris is having a great time down there. And uh, Grillmaster Chris, if you happen to be listening right now, just I'm saying it from the heart. Feel free to stay down there even longer if you want to. I I miss you here, but I'm not ready for your comments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, tune in for the second half of the show. We're going to uh, continue to uh, give some grief to Johnny about uh, those Kansas City Chiefs, world champs. So we'll talk a little bit about uh, the Kansas City uh, Chiefs. And I'm, you know, being in the marketing and advertising world, I'm always uh, fascinated with the commercials and and all that. And the Swifty show, you know. So anyway, we'll talk about that and uh, some other breaking news here this afternoon uh, uh, here in the state. So anyway, but in the meantime, let's uh, get right to it. Welcome, Mr. Matthew Hansen, editor of Flatwater Free Press. Matthew, how's uh, your Monday starting? That's great. I mean, I'm a Bears fan, so I, I you know, always get to watch the Super Bowl really dispassionately, as I as I did yesterday. So yeah, it's going it's going well for me. Exactly. I mean, uh, yeah. Well, we it, it's such a spectacle. I mean, I do. I I I love uh, sports. Uh, I'm not. You know, I couldn't tell you uh, a lot about statistics until we get to baseball. Then I could probably reel off a few. But uh, but yeah, just the spectacle. Uh, it, it it amazes me and uh, how excited people get about, especially this year with uh, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. And uh, so anyway, I I'm a fan. Yeah, I mean, who who doesn't watch the Super Bowl? My God, the halftime show alone. It's uh, you know, it's it's really just one of those days. It's the uh, you know, the American uh, national holiday where you got to watch even if you don't really care that much about what's going on uh, for uh, on the field. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, Matthew, I wanted to ask you before we bring on Chris Bowling here about his uh, really important story uh, that we've 
we want to feature here today. But I wanted to get a little update from you uh, on your Supreme Court case. Uh, the Nebraska Journalism Trust and Flatwater Free Press uh, were before the Nebraska Supreme Court uh, last week uh, on Thursday uh, to argue that the state kept information from the public uh, by illegally attempting to charge for public records. So maybe uh, just your thoughts. I know you were in the courtroom and uh, along with Matt, uh, Matt Wynn and, uh, and you know, of course, your attorney. And so uh, you guys probably had a chance to digest uh, that uh, that uh, th- that moment before the Supreme Court. Anyway, I just wanted to get your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it was it, it, it was fascinating, honestly. I mean, you know, and I know you've been there for Supreme Court cases. I, I've, I've been there before, too. But being, you know, being a party uh, to, yeah. to a case was it, it was eye opening. Um, and I mean, it, it was fascinating, and it was uh, it. You really feel the gravity of the situation when you're sitting inside the Nebraska mm-hmm. Supreme Court, realizing like, hey, we're fighting this for a good reason, and uh, you know, hopefully we win uh, because the the law says that that we should. But yeah, I mean, it was it was a, a heady day mm-hmm. to, to be sitting in there, um, you know, sort of listening to the state and, and our attorney. Uh, make the case. I didn't have to do anything, by the way. So it was a very easy <laughs> Thursday work day for me. I just sat in the uh, in the uh, back of the courtroom and and you know uh, made faces when people said things that I didn't agree with. <laughs> and there is cameras. There are cameras in uh, Nebraska courts uh, in the Supreme Court. So I I was able to tune. I was actually in a meeting, but I was. Uh, uh, it was just a staff meeting, but I uh, was able to monitor and wait till you guys uh, came up. And so um, it goes pretty quick, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I knew it was like a, a U.S. Supreme Court case and that, you know, each side uh, given a lot of time. And, you know, the, the justices can ask all the questions they want sort of during that mm-hmm. a lot of time. But that's really jarring to see. Uh, in person as well. And I cannot imagine being a lawyer in that circumstance because it's like, you know, you can just get uh, interrupted uh, uh, the whole, you know, the entire time if if justices sort of have questions that they want to ask. So, yeah, again, I'm really glad that I I wasn't, you know, having to to, uh, argue the case. I I just was there as an observer. Any, uh, obviously, if our listeners aren't familiar how these things work, obviously the court will take some time to consider uh, the arguments before they make a ruling uh, from your attorneys and, and you guys' uh, knowledge of the case. Any uh, any predictions on how soon we may hear a ruling from the Supreme Court? Not really. I mean, I've heard different predictions from different lawyers that have ranged from uh, a month to six. <laughs> so, you know, that's a pretty wide range. Um, you know, hopefully it'll be sooner rather than later. Um, and and to be quite frank, hopefully the the, the law as written and as intended um, uh, will be followed. I mean, I, it was very clear, too, to, to realize uh, sitting inside that courtroom, that this fight is not going to end with this case. Mm-hmm. That this is going to be a thing that the that reporters and honestly the public are going to have to stay involved with if we want to protect uh, the media's right and the public's right to see um, uh, public records in, in the state of Nebraska. And obviously, myself as a as a fan yeah. of government transparency really hopes that that continues to happen. Yeah. Very good. Well, we will keep track of that. And uh, yeah, I thought about I didn't have time to bug you or uh, to bug uh, Daniel, uh, your attorney. But uh, anyway, if, if we want to 
break that down anymore before the case is decided. But anyway, we want to keep track of that and and keep our listeners uh, attuned to that. So we will do that in the weeks to come. Thanks, Dan. You bet. All right, Matthew, thank you. And uh, we're about up against a break here already. But uh, Chris Bowling, please hang on. I know you're on the other line here. Uh, I'm really interested to to dig into this story. I'll just uh, tease it out. In small-town Nebraska, with suicide rates high, one family delivers hope for thousands. So come on back after these uh, quick messages, and we'll discuss that. Come on back. To the Dan Parsons Show on fourteen hundred and ninety nine three KLIN. Welcome back to the Monday edition. We're delighted you chose to uh, tune us in on your drive home or whatever you're doing on this uh, lovely Monday afternoon. Uh, my thanks to Matthew Hansen, editor of Flatwater Free Press, is always kind enough to kick us off every Monday morning, Monday morning, Monday afternoon, and. Uh, yeah, appreciate it. And, and, and just so uh, to remind you, if you're not subscribed to uh, Flatwater Free Press, uh, Matthew's uh, weekly newsletter uh, telling you uh, the stories that they're working on, uh, you can sign up for free. Uh, you can consume their news for free. They're a nonprofit. They're Nebraska's very first nonprofit newsroom. And so uh, you do yourself a favor, and uh, if you're not following Flatwater, uh, do that. And, uh, uh, yeah, no paywall. You know, they'll take your donation, but uh, uh, that news comes to you free of charge. And uh, it's my delight to introduce uh, Chris Bowling, an investigative reporter for Flatwater Free Press. Chris has been on with us at least once, maybe twice before. And uh, uh, Chris uh, has said, investigative reporter for Flatwater. And, uh, uh, and uh, so, Chris, welcome aboard. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely, Chris. I appreciate your good work, and my goodness, this is a serious, uh, serious issue and a serious story. And uh, you're reporting on uh, small town Nebraska and uh, suicide rates and how those continue to be troubling, and uh, what one family uh, is doing to to help with that uh, very serious situation. So, anyway, Chris, uh, introduce our listeners uh, to your story, please. Sure, yes. So um, my story is essentially uh, basically how you described it. It's about suicide rates in rural Nebraska that have um, they've long been higher than the rates that you might see in cities like Omaha or Lincoln. And the disparity between those two is just kind of getting worse. Um, so I just kind of uh, went into it, you know, kind of wondering some of the reasons why um, and hopefully trying to attach some positive you know, solutions, you know, maybe people who have really been through this and are kind of finding a way to, you know, turn their experiences into something positive. I mean, that was sort of like an underlying hope, but I really found a family who embodied like all of that and more. So was able to tell a, a thankfully hopeful story about a really serious topic. Yeah. And you open your story with the, uh, uh, the situation that this uh, gentleman found himself in and attempting suicide and uh, and and then from there uh, really a hopeful uh, story but as you said uh Nebraska's rural suicide rate is is above the national average uh you note in your story that stayed uh, lower uh, than rural rates in neighboring states um mm-hmm. and so um yeah it's uh, it, it's troubling for sure Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The good thing is um, what I did not uh, 
you know, expect was that Nebraska would be an outlier in a good way. And that, um, like you said, so if you take all the surrounding states, Iowa, um, Kansas, South Dakota, Colorado, Wyoming, our rate is actually a lot lower than a lot of those states. And there's a lot of reasons probably why that is and, you know, maybe things that are out of our control, maybe things that we do have in control. But there are a lot of really good things that are happening in our state. Um, our state has a suicide prevention coalition that's been around since 1999, which um, you know does a lot of really good work. And just the fact that it's had that longevity um, has meant that you know, there's lots of really strong relationships, but it's not this, you know, top-down thing where the the people at the top tell everyone at the bottom, like, here's what you're going to do and here's how you're going to do it. Like, there's a lot of local creativity. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of things where it's like there's not a one-size-fits-all solution of how, you know, you can really change this. You have to sort of, like, let people lead where they are and figure out the kind of solutions that work for them. Yeah, because, you know, I, I'm not as familiar with mental health uh, workers uh, here in Nebraska, but I've done work uh, in my day job uh, for other uh, health care providers around the state. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a continued problem for uh, all of those medical providers that there's just not enough, uh, in this case, mental health workers uh, in, in our mm-hmm. state. Yeah, and I mean... Um... And I, and I referenced that in my story. Something else that really surprised me was, I mean, I think we all realize that there's a mental health uh, worker shortage in the state. But there, um, I did the math with some data out of UNFC, and there's uh, about 100,000 Nebraskans who live in counties where there's zero mental health wow. you know, workers in there. And then there's, I think, what it is, like half a million Nebraskans live in counties that have less than five. So... You know, that just adds up to, uh, you know, long wait lists and, uh, you know, people who maybe they only want to reach out for help when things have gotten really tough. So, but, you know, that's where, you know, some of these local solutions really come into play of like, I mean, you know, there's not really going to be a good replacement for therapy and, you know, medication if that's necessary. But just having a community that, you know, you feel like uh, you can open up to somebody, you can talk about it, um, they can refer you to where you go. I mean, just having that connection is very, very huge. So even though there are a lot of shortages and, you know, um, there's not really a future where there's probably a mental health provider in every single county in Nebraska, there's still ways that you, know, you can find those solutions and, and get help if you need it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it's a serious topic, and I, I de- deeply appreciate, uh, Chris, your work on this. What was it like meeting uh, the Koch family and, uh, and, and, and hearing their story? That had to be very impactful. Yeah, I mean, um, I think uh, it just, you know, the one thing that really resonated with me was just, like, how much they've been through. So not only uh, the week before I met them had they, um, you know, found a man, um, in their community who had committed suicide, um, you know, the Jeremy, the dad was driving his son to like 5.30 and he had basketball practice when they found uh, this man. But, you know, Jeremy himself attempted suicide five times. Their son has uh, attempted suicide. Um, their, uh, Jeremy's father died by suicide. Um, now Bailey's mom had mental health issues. I mean, there's, yeah. and it's just, it just radiates out from there. And I think, I mean, the one thing I kind of took away from it, though, is that I think that, you know, not all of us in our family have maybe had that much experience with it, but we've had some kind of experience mm-hmm. with it. 
But I think when you live in a, a smaller community, a lot of that stuff is a lot more out of the open, and the decision of whether to talk about it yeah. or to keep it quiet is um, a lot more present than yes. maybe like when you live in a bigger place yes. kind of just like pretend it isn't happening um so i mean yeah i mean i know a lot of people actually like in my life who know you know this family and and didn't know because they're from that area didn't even know everything that had been you know going on with them and and yeah so it's um i can't remember where i was going with that but yeah, yeah i know it's just very interesting but, i mean the other thing is also like that they're just such interesting like positive people like when I met Bailey in her classroom, like she has like a giant 3D printed like minion flower pot because Jeremy loves to 3D print things, and he's yes. also like an exotic greenhouse owner in Kozad, Nebraska. So it just goes to you know like I don't know, just they're just very interesting, like fun people. In addition to everything else they've been through, like they're not defined by all these terrible things, but they're able to embrace this story and it and it strengthens and widens like their life rather than you know pulls them inward and makes them more depressing or sad if that i don't know if that makes sense yeah oh, that it, was my big impression absolutely and the way you frame the story uh chris just really again your investigative uh, reporting background and and looking at the numbers and the statistics and and all of that and frame that story really well but you also uh, made it very very personal uh to that family mm-hmm. and and uh and, and gives hope i mean that's again that's why i wanted to feature the story and and just spend a few minutes here on the air talking about it because we've all been touched by depression in some way our families have and and many of us have been you know uh, uh, faced with uh, uh, with that ultimate price of suicide and so uh yeah let's get out of the darkness out of the shadows and and talk about this so thanks for your work chris appreciate it very much yeah thanks for having me on to talk about it yeah yeah well we'll keep following what you're doing my friend and uh, uh feel free next time we have you on to come on down to the station and uh, and bring matthew sometime <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know i gotta give him get him out of omaha <laughs> Uh, very good. Well, folks, uh, that's the first half of the show. Thank you, Chris, very much. Uh, let's take this break and hear some news, and we'll be back after this on 1499.3 KLIN. Educating, informing, entertaining. The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. Hey, welcome back to the Monday edition. Thanks for uh, sticking around. Appreciate it very much. And my thanks to uh, Matthew Hansen, uh, editor of Flatwater Free Press, for his weekly check-in with us. Appreciate that very much. And investigative reporter Chris Bowling uh, and his important story about uh, suicide rates in rural uh, Nebraska. And, uh, yeah, uh, I'd encourage you, uh, flatwaterfreepress.org. You can sign up uh, for Matthew's weekly newsletter, which I guarantee you is well-written and entertaining, and he gives a rundown of all the stories they're working on. And uh, and you can uh, subscribe for free to uh, uh, to get their uh, to get their good news work, uh, their news stories, and uh, uh, they are Nebraska's uh, very first nonprofit uh, newsroom. And uh, yeah. Uh, check them out if you haven't. Uh, coming up on tomorrow's show, it's our weekly, our weekly, our monthly check-in with Mayor Leary and Gaylord Baird. So we'll look forward to that. And the second half of the show, uh, uh, Lancaster County Election Commissioner Todd Wilson.
uh, will join us. So I know there's uh, some changes uh, coming up in uh, in the way, in the manner, and of how you vote come uh, May for the May primary here in Nebraska. So uh, we'll get uh, uh, the update from the man himself, the man in charge of Lancaster County elections, uh, Mr. Todd Wilchin. So that'll be interesting. Don't miss that. And uh, I'll just remind you, if you're not following us on X and uh, the Facebook page, we'd love to have you do that. I was, uh, let's see here, I'll just bring the page up. What was I? I was pretty active over the weekend. Uh, on the Twitter, excuse me, X. Um, well, a story we're going to talk about here in a moment uh, that appeared in Nebraska Examiner today, and uh, and then we're going to we're going to also we can't help uh, uh, talking a little bit about um, uh, the Super Bowl last night and some commercials and such. So we'll get to that here uh, later in the hour, uh, in this hour, and uh, so yeah, I posted a few things there, and so anyway, follow us on X and. Uh, uh, the Facebook profile, the Facebook page. Uh, we'd love to continue the conversation after hours, if you will. And if you miss anything, you can always find us on your favorite podcast platform any darn time you like, or just go to klan.com. Find us there as well. Well, our friends, speaking of nonprofit newsrooms, the other uh, model of nonprofit newsrooms here in the state, of course, the Nebraska Examiner that we check in with uh, regularly, and uh, Paul Hamill. Uh, wrote a story uh, earlier today about uh, Governor Pillen uh, changing course on uh, uh, and providing uh, federal funds for uh, kids, underprivileged kids this summer uh, who need help uh, with food. And uh, so I'll just uh, run through Paul's story. This is a story we've talked about a lot here on the show. And uh, the governor has changed his mind on this issue. And so uh, good for the governor. But let me just uh, walk through it because we have talked a lot about this on the show. And uh, there's been a lot of people uh, following this story. But uh, Paul's story is uh, governor changes course, says he has a Nebraska way to provide additional food for kids. The subhead Pillen will accept $18 million for a summer food program uh, with an effort to provide touch points for families. Uh, as you may recall, Governor Pillen, uh, well, he reversed course on Monday, uh, saying his administration will apply for $18 million in federal funds to provide extra funds for food over the summer for low-income families. Uh, the program is expected to deliver an additional $40 a month in grocery buying funds to an estimated 150,000 kids across the state who qualify for free and reduced school lunches. Uh, Pillen's plan would include a stronger outreach program to families enrolled in the program, uh, providing what he calls touch points in hopes of increasing children's participation in summer camps, uh, run by the State Department of Education and helping inform families of other state uh, programs. Uh, you may recall uh, this is a reversal of the governor's very strong insistence uh, that he was not going to take this uh, this money uh, from the federal government. Um, and just you know, it's it's uh, he was praised by several advocacy, advocacy groups today. Uh, for children, uh, which came after weeks of criticism on social media 
Uh, there were letters to letters to the editors across the state. Uh, there was even a protest vigil uh, outside the governor's residence uh, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, and a petition that was signed by more than six thousand people. Uh, as well, and this is uh, we've talked about this just last week with State Senator Danielle Conrad on the show. Uh, there was an, a bill introduced in the in the Nebraska legislature, uh, led by State Senator Jen Day uh, of uh, Omaha, to override the governor's refusal to take the funds. So I think that might have been the uh, the the telling uh, moment for the governor is when. Uh, uh, a bipartisan effort, uh, both Republicans and Democrat state senators uh, uh, were supporting this bill. And as late as December 29th, uh, this Nebraska Examiner story uh, says, Pillen, who regularly says kids are the state's future, uh, said he would not change his mind. This was just a few weeks ago. Uh, after accepting about accepting the funds, which called for uh, a leftover from uh, the funds were left over from uh, COVID-19 uh, funding uh, that the state got or had opportunity to get. He later added that he didn't believe in welfare. That was really uh, he he kind of doubled down a few weeks back after he, he got some criticism and he said he didn't believe in welfare. And he felt that's what this was. Uh, which even brought more criticism because the governor, this is uh, Paul Hamill's story, uh, he points out that the governor uh, is a hog producer and co-owner of a pork processing plant, which has accepted <laughs> uh, federal assistance. Uh, call it what you want, uh, welfare or whatever, it's uh, money from the federal government. Uh, so, But on today, uh, today, Pillen said uh, at a news conference, uh, it was a conversation with Grand Island State Senator Ray Aguilar, uh, as well as a visit by the governor to Boys Town a week ago, uh, talking with school kids involved in uh, Youth Legislative Day uh, that, that changed his opinion, changed his mind. Uh, the governor is quoted in the story, said, this isn't about winning, it's about doing what's best for kids in Nebraska. Uh, he said it's been an evolution of information, uh, Pillen said, adding that by reaching out to participants in the program via touch points, by state employees, he hopes to avoid the isolation kids experienced during the pandemic. Uh, and so uh, Senator Aguilar is a Republican uh, from Grand Island, uh, and he was a co-sponsor of Senator Day's proposal. And uh, he said, Senator Aguilar said he was pleased that the governor had crafted, quote, a Nebraska solution to make sure kids are cared for properly. Uh, Pillen was joined by 21 state senators. Uh, all, all fellow Republicans, I don't know why any of the Democrats weren't invited, but anyway, at a Monday morning news conference uh, announcing the change of heart. Uh, Senator Day, a Democrat from Gretna, excuse me, I said Omaha, Gretna, uh, who introduced the bill uh, to enroll in the Summer Electronic uh, Benefit Transfer, EBT program, it's called, uh, said it's a huge win for Nebraska kids, families, and local ag producers and small businesses. She said in a, uh, a post on X, uh, she said, I want to thank the governor for heeding the call of myself, my colleagues, and countless Nebraskans who asked the governor to rethink his decision, uh, Day said in a, in, a, in a news release later today. Um, 
So, hey, uh, let's give credit where credit's due. Uh, politicians can change their minds. Uh, they do listen. And so good for Governor Pillen for, uh, you know, not just continuing to ignore the wishes of, uh, of what was becoming a, a, a pretty good groundswell of support for this program. And uh, so he listened. He went and talked to kids at Boys Town. He listened to uh, other state senators and uh, and changed his mind. So and and if you recall us talking about this bill or excuse me, this issue, uh, there were a lot of people who said that not only is this helping kids who and families who can't afford, uh, you know, uh, food at, at certain times during the during the year. Uh, it was also uh, a benefit uh, to those groceries and and small town uh, uh, businesses who uh, would participate in the program, uh, who would uh, who would be the recipients of that of those dollars in exchange for uh, for food for kids. So anyway, uh, I think it's a win win for everybody. Uh, so anyway, I I've told you in the past every time that. Uh, uh, there's a reason to uh, thank uh, politicians for uh, doing the right thing and listening to the constituents, especially in this uh, bipartisan uh, issue that uh, you know, people from both sides of the political aisle said, hey, this is something that's important to our state and let's, uh, uh, let's do something about it. So anyway, good for you, Governor Pillen, for, uh, for that. So anyway, I wanted to bring that to you, breaking news earlier today uh, from Governor Pillen. So... Uh, congrats for that. Well, uh, let's uh, let's continue this conversation. Uh, uh, I, I want to talk about uh, the TV commercials <clears throat> when we come back after the break here uh, from the Super Bowl because uh, again, I kind of geek out on some of that stuff and and just wanted to uh, give you some of my thoughts on uh, yesterday's uh, Super Bowl uh, television program. So anyway, come on back after this uh, little break and we'll talk. Uh, Super Bowl commercials. Come on back. You're listening to the Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. Hey, welcome back to the Monday edition. Uh, thanks for sticking around. Uh, I know you got other. Oh, hello. Johnny's Johnny found what I was looking for. I have not found. I don't know what that was. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, let me tell you what's uh, coming up on tomorrow's show so you can plan ahead. It's our uh, monthly check-in with Mayor Lyrian tomorrow. So uh, we'll see what's going on down at the uh, uh, city government. And Mayor Lyrian Gaylord Baird will join us in the first half of the show. And, you know, there's some elections coming up later this year. Uh, the primary will be in May. And, of course, the general election in November. And there's been some changes uh, of how you cast your votes and uh, and how you can request uh, early voting uh, ballots uh, from the from the state, and from the county. And so we'll get uh, kind of the lowdown on that and the update from a Lancaster County Election Commissioner, uh, Mr. Todd Wilchin, uh, tomorrow in the second half of the show. So please uh, tune in for that cuz uh, cuz yeah there's if you're like me I'm I'm one of those people that uh during covid when you had uh the opportunity to uh, uh to vote by mail of course you've always had that opportunity or a long time I don't know the history of it is but for a long time in Nebraska and so there's a number of us uh, that 
kind of change the pattern of sort of showing up on election day and at your poll like you would normally do. A lot of people, uh, for health reasons, uh, chose to uh, uh, to ask for a ballot by mail, and so uh, I was one of those people. I I love that tradition. Did for you know all of my voting career since I was eighteen, and. Um, to actually go to the booth and see your neighbors and cast votes, but uh, cast your ballot. But, uh, you know, COVID, like a lot of things, changed that. And uh, But uh, but there were some changes in legislation on how to... Uh, uh, on, on how to uh, regulate that, and and so there's some changes, and of course the big change is uh, you now have to have an ID, present an ID uh, to vote uh, in Nebraska, and so anyway we'll go over some of those changes uh, tomorrow with uh, Lancaster County Election Commissioner Todd Wilchin. Well, uh, yes, as I said, I uh, I'm a, a a nerd when it comes to watching the commercials uh, in, in in the Super Bowl, and so the challenge always is. It's like, you know, that's usually the time when you refill your beverage and, you know, see what's in the in the refrigerator to snack on and go to the restroom, do all those things. It's like I had to time, time it uh, so I didn't miss anything. But I think I did miss something yesterday that uh, uh, that Chase Porter in the newsroom was telling me about uh, a moment ago. Chase, uh, you want to you want to jump on real quick? And uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, you pointed this commercial out to me. So I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, uh, television commercials in the Super Bowl. And uh, there, there apparently was a, an RFK or a JFK. <laughs> right. Which which one? One of the Kennedys uh, uh, was uh, had a political commercial on yesterday that has apparently uh, ruffled some feathers. And so uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, he it looked like uh, RFK Jr. repurposed an old JFK ad and kind of put his face where I, John F. Kennedy's face was to be kept the same lyrics and song and everything. Interesting. Well, yeah. I, I, that must have been one of the times when I uh, got up to get uh, something that I needed, and I missed that one. So <laughs> I know Johnny's trying to find it, but that's okay, Johnny. Did you find well, it? It looks like he's got it. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's play this, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk about it. Johnny, whenever you're ready. A man for president who's seasoned through and through. A man who's old enough to know. And young enough to do. Well, it's up to you. It's up to you. It's strictly up to you. American Value 2024 is responsible for the content of this advertisement. <clears throat> Fascinating. Okay. So, Chase, what? Uh, so, there's a controversy has arisen. There is. Um, when, and first of all, I. Oops, hold I on. on hold on. Johnny's doing 15 things at once, and one of them is not turning your mic on. There Mike it is. check. There we're, we are. We're good now. All right, Chase, start over. Yes. Well, one, it's funny to point out that he kept the lyric about young enough to do it. And I, I don't know if that particularly applies to RFK Jr. these days. Not that he's the oldest guy on the ticket, we'll say. No, no. There's a couple older than him, I think. Right. Yes. But it stirred some feathers. I, I'm not extremely knowledgeable on it, but I believe his family was not um, exactly happy to see him completely repurpose uh, that ad, I guess, for his uncle. 
It, it, yes, and so this story I just I brought up. The Super Bowl always reminds me of, this is uh, Robert F. Kennedy Sr., the Super Bowl always reminds me of playing football with my parents and siblings growing up. Uh, his account posted with accompanying black and white photos of the Kennedy children playing football with Robert F. Kennedy Sr. And uh, so that was uh, it, it. That turned out to be something of a teaser. Uh, roughly a half hour later, amid commercials for Doritos and TurboTax, a rather unconventional ad for Kennedy aired, which Johnny just played. The spot essentially stole the format of John Kennedy's 1960 political ad, so this predates me, kids, uh, with a cheerful jingle and a vintage illustrations and superimposed photos of his 70-year-old nephew. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. RFK Jr. seemed pleased with the ad, which he did not produce. He retweeted praise for it, including a post from Ben Shapiro calling it shockingly politically astute. Mm. But... Chase, an hour later, this is what you were pointing out to me, uh, Bobby Shriver, another one of JFK's nephews, weighed in and said, my cousin's Super Bowl ad used our uncle's faces and my mother's, he wrote on X, she would be appalled by this deadly health by his deadly healthcare views. Yeah. Oh, respect for science and vaccines and healthcare equity were in her DNA. Mark Shriver, Bobby's brother, co-signed the sentiment. Oh, so they don't like his policies. Yeah, which is uh, very juicy, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, RFK Jr. is occupying such a weird pocket, I think, in this political landscape where, yeah, he's he's not exactly with the vaccine mandates of um, some years ago now. But at the same time, he's sort of trying to appeal to that more left-leaning side which generally is okay with that kind of stuff. You covered his rally here in Lincoln, right? I did. Did and you get to speak with him? Uh, no, I did get to shake his hand, though, oh, which was an interesting cool. experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I didn't get to speak with him. Yeah, well, uh, you know, we've talked politics a lot on this on this show, but uh, yeah, that whole mystique of the Kennedy family. I mean, that's again, that's one of the things as a young person that drew me into politics before I even knew what politics was. Yeah. You know, the whole Camelot and the, the Kennedy mystique. Right. And, it's a political dynasty nowadays. Yeah, the closest thing we have to a royal family here yeah. in in America. Yeah. Well, Chase Porter from the newsroom, yes. th- you're doing triple, quadruple duty here. Quintuple, you're, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're a guest on the Dan Parsons show. You're doing news. You're doing sport or not? You're not doing sports yet. Not quite. But you're doing traffic. So yeah. anyway, thanks for your hard work, of Chase. Of course, anytime. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, yeah. So that was one that I missed, but. Uh, Anyway, it was a fascinating. Some of the other uh, ads that really were, uh, uh, you know, uh, fascinating. Uh, This is, uh, what is this? USA Today ranked uh, from top to bottom some of their favorite. I don't know who was able to do this, but their favorite was uh, the State Farm, Like a Good Neighbor. (laughs) with Arnold Schwarzenegger. That one was one of my, if not my favorite as well. (laughs) Yeah, it must have got. And then then the icing on the cake was then Danny DeVito shows up at the very end. Yeah, well, the the thing about that commercial, because it went into such crazy long overtime, is they actually played it twice. I think the second time was a shorter version, Mm -hmm. but I was like, oh my goodness. So then it made me wonder with how expensive Super Bowl ads are, if they had to pay even more money to have that commercial on a second time. Oh, yeah. 
I'm sure, so, you know, they, they, yeah, I know a little bit about this since I'm kind of in the industry, but yeah, they, they would sell those, uh, as anticipating. And so whoever wanted them, they would give them, uh, those opportunities. And if they said, you know, if they said, no, we can't, then they'd go to whoever else wanted to advertise. Anyway, hey, we're out of time. Sorry, I didn't have as much time as I wanted. Folks, enjoy your evening. We'll see you back here on Monday. Go do good things.